MSW Media. News was Daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, April 27th, 2020. Today, an interview with Lincoln's Bible. Trump endangers the lives of West Point grads. Dr. Burks has gone full Nunberg. The White House contemplates a liability shield against coronavirus lawsuits. Deutsche Bank refuses to give the Senate information on Trump. Reggie Walton sets a date for the Mueller report review. No evidence that recovered COVID-19 patients cannot be reinfected. And an HHS staffer is arrested. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today is Jordan Coburn. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. I am uh, rested. That was a nice day off. We had a nice happy hour. That was the coolest happy hour ever, actually. Weedus joined <laughs> us. That was fucking that was... crazy. It was a personal Weedus concert. I know. I know. I was like, because uh, I knew I was going to play a couple of songs and I was like, I should, you know, play Teenage Dirtbag. And I looked at the chord tablature and I was like, I'm not playing that song. And then I was like, you know what? I know the guy who plays and wrote that song, so um, we just had Weedus come on. And now if you're a patron, uh, you can watch the entire um, thing. It's, uh, I think it's up on Patreon now. We, we do a replay of it, so it's it's up there if you're a patron. So check it out at, uh, you know, what is it, MullerSheWrote.com? Or no, Patreon.com slash The Daily Beans. That's where you go. Mm-hmm. He was also super nice, and um, he stuck around, so did his partner. I actually wasn't mm-hmm. introduced to who she was exactly, so I'm not sure. So I cannot identify her correctly. My apologies. But yeah, like they stuck around and answered questions and stuff too, which is super cool. They took out a lot of time out of their day to hang out with us. So that was very fun. Yes. Thank you so much, Brendan and Weedis and your SO. We appreciate it. Uh, yeah, that was so fun. My fingers hurt there. I haven't played the guitar in so long, but um. I really enjoyed that. So thanks for listening to me sing at you. <laughs> That's um, awesome. <laughs> uh, it was it was super fun. Um, so we do have a lot of news to get to. We've got a really big interview with Lincoln's Bible um, from a, a three-part uh, Substack story and interview that she did with Greg Oliar. We, I interviewed Greg Oliar on, on Sunday's Muller She Wrote, and I wanted to speak to Lincoln's Bible. Her story is... Uh, pretty incredible, and she's got a lot of interesting things to say. So that interview comes up later, but we do have uh, some headlines from over the weekend. We never get a break, so let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, so uh, Jordan, why don't you open this up? Talk a little bit about, I think Burks was making the rounds this weekend or talked on the TV today or something happened, and it's all over Twitter. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, totally. So she basically, um, so first off, Dr. Deborah Burks, she's Trump's coronavirus response coordinator. She went on TV kind of seeking to downplay the president's suggestion that you all have heard about that injecting disinfectants and ultra and uh, injecting disinfectants and then ultraviolet light could be used as medical treatment for COVID-19 that caused a shitstorm obviously and so many hilarious pictures and videos and sketches of people consuming themselves with bleach uh 
or consuming bleach and killing themselves, which was, you know, it's dark, but it's humor, and I love it, obviously, because it's fucking crazy that those words came out of his mouth, and he's, you know, tried to backpedal and say he was being sarcastic, and uh, I guess the, the people are uh, not letting him just get out of that one so easily, but Burks went on CNN State of the Union and she was asked if she was bothered by all of the fallout that came from those comments Trump said. And she said, it bothers me, is a quote, it bothers me that this is still in the news cycle because I think we're missing the bigger pieces of what we need to be doing as an American people to continue to protect one another. As a scientist and a public health official and a researcher, sometimes I worry that we don't get the information to the American people that they need when we continue to bring up something that was from Thursday night. So wait a second. We're, so so we're missing the bigger picture. I don't think we are. To us, the bigger picture is stay the fuck at home. And Trump is trying to talk us out of that as well. So how 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 are we by focusing on his inject yourself with bleach comment? Thirty people from New York, by the way, went to the hospital for ingesting bleach. Oh my god! Really? How are we? Yeah. So yeah, we're still fucking talking about it. Um and. You're right. Some of these things, these sketches that have kind of, I know Randy Rainbow did just a spoonful of Clorox helps the fever go down. And uh, Brad Pitt played Dr. Fauci on Saturday Night Live this weekend. And if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. <laughs> it's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of, that's really sad and scary to know that that many people even did it because it's something that, you know, you should, like, I feel like. The first thing I learned, the first street smart thing I learned was fucking don't drink shit that smells like poison. It's pretty, it's it's pretty innate, I would think. You can't consume that. Anybody who's babysat anyone knows that you don't ingest um, cleaning products. Uh, anyone who's seen the movie Heathers uh, knows that you don't do, you don't do that. You don't, you don't drink anything from under the sink. You just don't. You just don't. Yeah. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. What's really sad though, is that that comes down. I mean, the people that are doing that, that are listening to what he's saying, I don't think it's because they're diehard Trump fans or anything. I think it's because they're just incredibly ill-informed and probably are the people, you know, that, that just don't really, Either the fear is too great to overcome the voice in their head that's thinking maybe this isn't a good idea, or they just aren't aware that bleach is poison. That's not that's not inconceivable that people wouldn't know that really if it was never like taught to them. I I feel like it's all over the label, but I don't know. Then again, well, that's the thing. There's a reason they put that on the label. Like, there's a reason that my deodorant says for external use only, you know, um, it, it, because there are ill-informed people uh, who who don't know. Uh, but yeah, that that um, it's very dangerous for him to suggest that. And if he's thinking this through out loud, which I think is what Dr. Burks was sort of getting at, he's thinking it through yeah, out she, loud, yeah, he's having did. a conversation with a scientist then you don't think that through out loud on a microphone in front of America. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she was saying, you know, these are just the sorts of communications that you're going to have when you have a team of scientists consulting a, a non-scientist. But I completely agree. It's like there, there are, there's a reason why you're supposed to write a script and stick to it when people are listening to your words. And it's about how to prevent death, ultimately. 
So him just ad-libbing on the fly is something that is indefensible. And it just would have been nice for her to be like, yeah, that was really stupid. We're going to make sure that we have very strict understandings of the science behind things before he goes up to the podium. You know, like how hard is it to say that? Well, she would lose her job. Right, which is the other thing. It's kind of another Fauci moment all over again. It's another example of one of these people that need to be in this position because they um, are far more informed about all of this compared to the president. So they don't want to ruffle too many feathers. And and I I do think that it's like... I, I get what she's saying in terms of not wanting to super, super focus on on the fact that he he said that uh but at the same time it's like yeah but it kind of does need to be focused on until people stop trying to consume bleach (laughs) agreed yeah yeah and and yeah as far as that fauci moment went i think burks isn't even more so than fauci trump really likes her and so Mm -hmm. she might be sitting there thinking Hey, he listens to me, doesn't listen to Fauci, but if Fauci needs to get a message to the president, he'll listen to me. So maybe she considers herself indispensable in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I honestly don't know. I really, I don't know. But I, I was appalled at what she said this weekend. Yeah, it's uh, another unfortunate look behind the curtain of what it's like trying to operate in that space as a medical mind. Yeah, it it can't be it can't be simple, and I don't pretend to know what it's like, but I kind of know what it's like, but not 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 to that extent. Right. All right. Well, thank you for that, mm-hmm. Burke's totally. story. A uh, couple other headlines: Donald Trump is recalling a thousand West Point grads for a commencement ceremony that had originally been postponed. The Navy is doing theirs, uh, not having it at all. The Air Force is doing it virtually, and Pence was going to speak virtually, is going to speak virtually at the Air Force. Uh, Academy and Trump, not to be one-upped, is now bringing all a thousand cadets back to New York, New York, the uh, the epicenter of our outbreak in the United States, which has the most cases and deaths in the entire world. Um, bringing them back to New York for the ceremony, and to accommodate this, these cadets will be called back. They will have to be tested off campus. Then they will have to be isolated for fourteen days in rooms with masks, and then they'll have to eat in segregated groups. And there is still no decision, by the way, about whether family members will be allowed to attend this ceremony. But he's going to be putting all of their lives at risk to put on a show. Wow, I mean that's pretty on brand, but equally as disappointing. And they have to listen to him. I mean, technically, they don't. You don't have to uh, obey an unlawful order. And it is against the law in New York to congregate in groups bigger than 10. Um, I don't know why the Pentagon is allowing this to happen. But we have to think about this from a national security standpoint. For for example, when the, when the USS Comfort went to New York, they were not going to take any COVID patients. And the reason is, is because it could compromise the entire crew of that ship. And when you compromise... Uh, military personnel, you put national security at risk. And so, you know, when you think about these thousand kids who who now are going to be army officers, um, they if if they get sick, you are you. This isn't it's a national security concern. So I, I don't understand how. I mean, I guess he's got his got his Esper in place. He's got his lackeys all over who aren't gonna who aren't gonna stop him from doing it. So mm-hmm. yeah, let's. Well, shitty it's really shitty i I feel bad for these kids and um 
From the Washington Post, White House officials are debating whether and how to propose a liability shield that would prevent businesses from being sued by customers who contract the coronavirus amid Trump encouraging businesses to open back up in the middle of the pandemic. Um, Some administration officials in the White House are opposing this, though, because it could open them up to liability, the government. Uh, And the idea has, of course, drawn fierce criticism from Democrats and unions, workers unions, who warn it it could allow employers to escape consequences for unsafe business practices. Uh, Democrats are not likely to approve this as part of the next round of negotiations, though I could see the Republicans insisting that this happen in exchange for perhaps money for the states. Wow. Because we we know Mitch McConnell wants the states to go bankrupt. Because then, mm-hmm. when you allow a state to go bankrupt, uh, you control it federally. You control that purse federally. Right. Yeah, I don't know too much about like the 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 sort of game elements of declaring bankruptcy. You know, like there are people that declare bankruptcy because they absolutely have to and they have no other options. And then there are people like Trump that declare bankruptcy because it winds up being more advantageous to them to do it. And I feel like these people that are just throwing out, we'll just declare bankruptcy. They're they're not they're thinking about it in terms of it being some sort of like I don't know, like privilege solution kind of that it is in their minds. That's kind of how it reads to me as a person that doesn't know very much about it whatsoever i think i think that that is true uh, but i think also more likely or or as likely uh, the case is that if the blue states declare bankruptcy then the federal government gets a hold of and controls their finances instead of yeah. the state itself so i think it's a way for the republicans to gain control over the finances yeah. of the blue states that's basically what i think it is yeah that makes sense too i'm just kind of trying to think of like because they can't come out and say that. No, <laughs> no they cannot. <laughs> so, Although, like, you know, <laughs> stranger things have happened, though, right? Yes. Yeah. But yeah, it is. It is just. I don't know. Fucking don't take financial advice from a Republican, I guess. Unless you're not not one that is operating at the federal level, like you said. Can't be. Can't be good. whatever they're asking (laughs) it can't and definitely don't take stock tips um and out from reuters this weekend the world health organization said saturday that there is currently no evidence that people who have recovered from covid19 have antibodies and have antibodies are protected from a second infection they are recommending against immunity passports or risk-free certificates, which could actually increase the risk of continued spread as people who have recovered may ignore advice about taking standard precautions against the virus. I've been dropping stories like this, small studies that have been coming out of South China, um, and talking about how there are a lot of people who have contracted the virus that haven't developed strong enough antibodies for immunity. This is going to make vaccination difficult because if the actual coronavirus doesn't give you the antibodies, then a weakened version of it, uh, which is what a vaccine is, will certainly not. And if you can become reinfected, you can become a carrier uh, again and it was asymptomatic or, or with symptoms. And if you're trying to give people a card that says, you know, you've you've had COVID-19, congratulations, you can go back to work. If a third of these people can still carry the virus but have this immunity card, they won't have to follow uh, guidelines and precautions for social distancing, and et cetera, like presumably for shit like that because they've got their card. So it's, uh, the, the World Health Organization, who we defunded, by the way, 
uh, is now saying, you know, they're they're starting to see more evidence and it's starting to come to the surface that not everyone who who has been infected with coronavirus uh, is immune, uh, they think. Uh, well, they say there's no evidence yet. Um, so we need to keep an eye on that. And uh, a staffer from the Department of Health and Human Services was arrested Thursday for bringing a loaded firearm to work. His name is Rodney Spann. He's a branch chief under the HHS Office of the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response. He brought an unregistered firearm and ammunition to work. And the Capitol Police have confirmed the arrest. Apparently, he's like a he's an angry guy. There's a there's been people within the department that have retired because they're afraid of this guy. Oh, my God. So he's arrested. So that's good. We're a little safer. And finally, Deutsche Bank. Uh, Deutsche Bank is declining a request by the U.S. Senate to provide information about their recent business dealings with Trump and Trump's family. And that's according to a letter obtained by Reuters. Uh, Earlier this month, four Democratic senators led by Elizabeth Warren demanded details from the bank about Trump's family business dealings. Next month, as we know, the Supreme Court, May 12th, is set to hear arguments in the case over whether Deutsche Bank must turn over their financial records subpoenaed by two House committees. Um, and check out Sunday's episode of Mueller, she wrote, for the latest on Flynn. He has a new filing saying the FBI framed him. And uh, there's a new minute order out from Judge Reggie Walton setting the unredacted Mueller report hearing for June 18th. And we go into detail in that in, the, in this week's Mueller, she wrote. So that is the A Block. So without further ado, we'll be right back with an interview from Lincoln's Bible. You won't want to miss that. And of course, at the end, we'll be joined again by Jordan for the good news. So stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG, and this episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by TheZebra.com. In these weird quarantine times, we're all trying to find ways to save money and conserve resources. I recently learned that Americans are overpaying on car insurance by over $21 billion. We can't afford to waste money right now. But oftentimes, searching for a better deal on insurance can take hours ton of phone calls, looking on the internet forever, and you end up getting a barrage of unwanted spam calls and emails or you get pressured by salespeople. But not anymore, thanks to TheZebra.com. TheZebra.com is the nation's leading car insurance comparison site because it's the only place you can compare quotes side-by-side from over 100 providers and choose the best option for you in 90 seconds or less. Plus, they will never sell your information to the spammers, so you won't get any unwanted calls or emails. You just answer a few quick questions on a simple, fast form, and they'll find the best rates and coverage in your state. TechCrunch calls the Zebra Kayak for auto insurance. And the best part is it's totally free, completely free, and you can save up to $670 a year using the Zebra.com. I know we could all use that extra cash right about now. And we're not driving our cars, so you should have your you know, your your usage and insurance reassessed anyway. So take this chance to go to thezebra.com to see how much you can save on car and home insurance. Go today and start saving at thezebra.com slash daily beans. That's thezebra.com slash daily beans, spelled T-H-E-Z-E-B-R-A dot com slash daily beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Joining us for the interview today from Twitter at Lincoln's Bible is LB. How are you today? I'm I'm well. I'm hanging in there. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. I'm doing all right. Just um, staying at home, trying to do my part. Yeah. Yeah. So I spoke um, to Greg Oliar this weekend. He and I he and I chat a lot. And I read his three-part series um, that, that he's been working tirelessly on. And, and the third installment was an interview with you. And I wanted to ask you a couple of questions uh, about that piece. Uh, because we we are in 
the Mueller season finale. We've got a lot of the aspects of the Mueller investigation ripening. So we have the Mueller grand jury material case, which is on its way to SCOTUS. It appears that the Justice Department has filed a writ of cert for that, and it looks like they're seeking a stay while they do that. Um, The unredacted Mueller report sits on Judge Reggie Walton's desk. He'll be reviewing that and then having a conference on June 18th about it, as it stands for now. Uh, And, of course, we have the Senate Intelligence Committee um, that... They'll be dropping volume five of their review of the intelligence community's assessment of the Trump-Russia probe, which will include long-awaited counterintelligence aspects, and it's expected to be about a thousand pages. And that is the report that has my attention, although the one that just came out is good. Um, But this one, this counterintelligence one, is um, very fascinating to me because of what you talked with Greg Oliar about, about the secrecy of the intelligence community. So first, can I ask about your connection to the intelligence community? Sure. Um, I'm actually going to spend a little bit of time on this uh, because I did in that interview that you, that you read as well. I spent a lot of time clarifying that I've never worked in the intelligence community nor have I ever had a security clearance. Um, you know, I'm a writer. I'm a writer. That's it. Uh, you know, I'm also a family member. Um, uh, mother, da- clearly a woman, right? Mother, daughter, all of those things. Um, but the whole point of that interview is that I'm outside of that community, trying to reach through the barriers, right, between the citizenry and the institutions of secrecy, which we created to protect us, right? We created that. Um, And to break what I believe is now hurting us more than any enemy we've ever encountered. Hmm. Uh, So the entire conversation is about the physics of secrecy, the arc of it, as a writer would say. Secrecy is a tool. It's not the thing you're taking an oath to, it's just a tool. Um, It's the most fundamental tool Mm. that the IC has employed to protect the Republic. Um, And we get that. We really, I don't know anyone who doesn't get that. (laughs) We understand. Um, And we value it. And we're grateful for it. I mean, it's, God, if you even have a glimpse, just from studying and researching the kinds of threats Um, that are always constantly, persistently out there and the risks that people have to take in order to even assess that um, with any degree of accuracy, which is not anything that anybody, you know, there's there's no perfection, right? Um, You want 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 everyone to be safe. You want to be safe. We want to be safe. Um, So you don't need years of service inside the intelligence community to grasp the value of secrecy and how and why it's used. But I do personally believe that we are at a tipping point because secrecy only ends one way. It (laughs) destroys. It destroys. Think of any family secret. What does it end up doing? It ends up breaking you unless you break it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just where it always will go. It's just what it is as a as a creature, as a tool. It just destroys the thing that it was used to protect. Yeah. Um, 
So that's the meta answer to your question. <laughs> uh, and I, I don't want to only give you a meta answer. Yeah, I do need to say something more on this, um, if you'll indulge me. So the direct one is that I, I have a close family member who is now retired after a lifetime of service at one of the big agencies. Um, now, it's no secret that those agencies have a workforce that is vast and complex and many level, and there's just you know just thousands and thousands um, of people working at all different kinds of levels on all different tasks at all different ways. Just think of a great big huge corporation, you get it, right? Um, and the most I'll say about my family members' work and position is that it was not a minor one. Mm, okay, it takes a certain kind of person to not only find their strength within one of these agencies but to also be so good at it, so good at their job, that they then end up nurturing the strengths of others. Mm. Until you find yourself on a top floor of a managerial pyramid. That takes a special kind of person to not only last, you know, to not get spit out for whatever reason, um, but to rise mm -hmm. and become beloved, truly beloved along the way by everyone you work with. Hmm. Uh, so if I were to identify, uh, the singular trait of my loved one that helped accelerate him or her onto that floor, um, where an open door truly an office sits there waiting right? no matter how many times <laughs> you're trying to retire, uh, uh, it would be humility. It would be humility. So. I know that that answer is not going to satisfy some of your viewers because I'm not naming names, but I'm not willing to say any more about the exact relation or what I know of their work. Because although I've never worked in intelligence, um, I know, how do I, how should I put this? It would be bad hygiene oh. to say or treat even a gender pronoun or especially a noun like aunt or uncle. Mm -hmm. That is not my place to do that. Um, and then I just, I need to end in this um, because it's just so, it's such a big part of the conversation of sitting there going, why aren't they saving us? <laughs> you know, where, where's the hero? And how can this be true? What you're saying, you know, if, if there's no, um, because surely someone would rise with their sword and save the day. And, uh, uh, you know, th these are people, <laughs> these are human beings. And, uh, we need to understand who our leaders are inside the intelligence community as human beings. That's an essential part of the conversation. So my loved one, as we're sitting there sort of, People want to vilify. You need to know this. My loved one is a person who never failed our family. There was not a birthday, a moment of joy, a hospital stay that was unattended. And it's not a small family. Mm. It's not. <laughs> We're a big family. So when I think of the information that he or she held, when I think of the knowledge that he or she was walking around with over all those years and look back and see that none of it was sensed by any of us. There was no dark cloud with this person. Mm. No barrier 
to loving them or being feeling loved by them, no arrogance. Uh, there was just humble attentive, attentiveness to all of our needs. So this is the person I deeply, deeply love and respect and somebody who nurtured me, even helping me wrap my mind around this subject matter that we are discussing without ever compromising a shred of their integrity. So that kind of character is astounding. That is what real intelligence, you know, there's a lot of people on Twitter in this, and I've never claimed to be one of them, and this is why, right? That, that are like, we're inte- we know intelligence, and the arrogance, um, the lack of humility, that should be the first clue to anyone that th- that, that person is, is swinging a bat that doesn't belong to them. Mm. Definitely. And, and I, I love that you make the point um, you brought up that um, the intelligence community is just so vast and massive and it's made up of thousands of people. And so they, they can't all have the same level of information on any given subject. And I think that it's that vastness that is a benefit to us. Um, uh, but, you know, it would amplify that disconnectedness, uh, at least the negative aspects of it, to have, say, someone like Rick Grinnell with zero intelligence experience be the office of the director of national intelligence. I mean, oh, my God. <laughs> and that is that has to be by design, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes, that's that's a destructive act. That's a destructive act, an intentionally destructive act. Um, so. You know, that's the, imagine then being inside, imagine being inside that community and knowing that and, um, and having, uh, you know, a, a, a massive nation that you love from people you'll never meet, 350 some odd million of us down to your own family members that, uh, you're in there to try to protect and serve. I mean, that's the position that the monstrosity um, that is our president is putting everybody in. This is AG, and you're listening to an interview with Lincoln's Bible. Stay with us for more right after this break. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Beachbody On Demand. Right now, we're all stuck at home, but it's important to stay active and keep moving. It's really good for your mental health, and it's good for your physical health as well. It's crucial to keep the momentum up and don't sink into complacency. So you can work out and even take classes in the comfort of your own home with Beachbody On Demand. Beachbody On Demand is the easy-to-use streaming service that gives you instant access to over 1,300 really effective workouts suited for anybody at any time. Beachbody On Demand is the best streaming workout platform. They're the company behind P90X, Insanity, and the 21 Day Fix. Uh, check out some uh, Beachbody's newest programs like Morning Meltdown 100 and there's the 80 Day Obsession. And you can start every day strong. Right now, I start with some meditations that they have on there and some simple yoga classes. And it really sets my day up for success. I feel so much better in the morning. Uh, I feel stronger and more accomplished before I have my first cup of coffee. So with Beachbody On Demand, you'll get motivated by celebrity super trainers. You have access to hundreds of effective workouts at all fitness levels. There's weight training, cardio, yoga, mindfulness, even dance workouts. And you can exercise on your schedule with workouts as short as 10 minutes uh, that can go up to an hour. And they don't require any extra equipment. Some of them don't. So in the time it takes you to drive and park 
at the gym, which you can't go to anyway anymore, you could be finished working out. So access it anywhere, anytime on your computer or your tablet or your smartphone. It is the best deal in fitness and listeners of the Daily Beans can try it absolutely free. Right now, our listeners can get a special free trial membership when you text Daily Beans, one word, to 303030. You'll get full access to the entire platform for free. All the workouts, the nutrition information, and the support totally free. Again, just text Daily Beans, one word, to 303030. And now back to the interview with Lincoln's Bible. So, yeah, and Mueller even said in his testimony when asked what the most important aspect of any of this was, is he, he brought up the DNI. Um, uh, he, he pointed out that the, the coordination between the intelligence communities or the intelligence agencies in the intelligence community is of the utmost importance. That is what he put his emphasis on. Uh, in in his in his testimony to Congress, but yes, um, to to think that we would have a savior, uh, and when we, you know when we started our podcast, um, we had a lot of people saying, you know, why are you putting Mueller up on a pedestal? Why are you? Sa-? I'm like, look, we're just covering the investigation, um, but there it but there was a sense of here comes our white knight, and. Uh, I think we've learned that we shouldn't expect that from any one human being in the intelligence community. I mean, we could talk about Andy McCabe and his uh, pressure to Rosenstein to open a special counsel investigation. Uh, and we could talk about some individual acts that took bravery and courage for, you know, about, I could name a ton of them with Peter Strzok to, you know, from any group of people, but uh, to, to, to put all that pressure on one person when this government is is what we've created, we have as the people, you know. Yeah. I, well, okay, so there's a lot in what you just said. Um, <laughs> first of all, I, I you know, <laughs> if my own personal experience is any indication, I'm sure that Mueller could handle the, if he handled the pressure just fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it's, and, um, and we have a lot of white knights, you know, it wasn't just one, Hey, one white knight is coming. We don't look at these men and women, um, and see them as, uh, humble servants who are also, and that that's actually what makes them a white knight. Right. Exactly. <laughs> then, um, then we're not doing our job as good citizens either. So, um, you know, we can we can couch quarterback this all day long of what we would have done and why didn't they do this and why and what we have this and expect expectations and those are our narratives. Yep. Uh, as far as I can tell, that special counsel, and it wasn't just him, did their job. <laughs> um and we'll find out the extent of it. We we are still we're still being kept from grasping the extent of it it's just unfathomable mm-hmm. um, but that gets to the other side of this where it's you know everyone is expecting the white knight but they forgot about the villain the bad guy is good at being a bad guy i write bad guys it's one of my things <laughs> yeah <laughs> right come in and fix our bad guy because he's not realistic and let me tell you um all the great bad guys in, in, in film and television, and, I, and you know, certainly writers have a, and novels, uh, writers have a, have a real responsibility for the fantasies that everybody's in anyway about how things work. Um, we have a real culpability in that for sure. Uh, 
but there's not a there's not a bad guy that you love that you didn't also get. You didn't get it, you know, you knew their motivations, you saw how good they were. The bigger the hero, the badder the bad guy. Mm. Um, and the bad guy, you he had to have he has to have the ability to win and crush your hero, or he's not an obs- a real threat. He's not an antagonist. He's, so right then, in that in that case, he's just a Carter Page. They're good. They're good. Yeah, you know, you don't don't blame the good guy for how good at being bad the bad guy is. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about next because you posit that Donald Trump is a top echelon informant. And you, you you say that's evidenced by the fact he's never been indicted. And, and I've talked about this with like so many people uh, like he, he he's decades and decades of crime, but he's never been indicted for anything. Why is that? So two questions from that. First, does working and, and this is a rhetorical question, really, for all intents and purposes, but does working with the intelligence community as an informant make you a good guy? And second, why did he get to run for president? That's the question you get all the time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's it's great. It's great that you're you're in this discussion, and it, it would I would just love you know it's one of those things that we we have to just keep. It's hard for Americans to wrap their minds around this for whatever reason. Um, uh, okay. So we're going to tackle why was he allowed to or let to run for president. Second, you know, the first part, I think you think you asked those in the right order is, does that mean if he if he was a top echelon, uh, you know, informant working with both the Justice Department and then the intelligence community, isn't he some kind of James Bond hero? Uh, No, (laughs) he's a filthy criminal. And I will say that Um, I'm fine saying that. Uh, there's, there's just decades and decades and decades of him doing deals with organized crime and those crime bosses or organized crime figures somehow end up snared in an indictment and go into, go into jail, um, or flipping on even a bigger person. Uh, and the one business partner that always skates free is, uh, is and was our president, um, and his, his disgusting family. So, um, that's you know it it, it isn't obvious it, it, it's so obvious but we but using the Socratic method I think is the best way to get people to grasp it right mm-hmm. uh, you know do you have to believe first of all if we start with the domestic organized crime that he was in business with for decades um, uh, as was his father so he, and this is all documented I'm not saying stuff that I'm pulling out of my ass there's there's you know, there's, you know, 40, 50 years of lawsuits and indictments and, and real investigative journalism. And, and it just, it's just all there. Um, so, so this, in terms of the, so you'd have to look at all of that, all that decades of public record and evidence and, and everything that's there and all of his business dealings. And then also simultaneously hold the thought in your other hand that our Department of Justice, our FBI, our criminal investigative division, which used to be called Organized Crime Division, doesn't know to use this guy as an informant. Doesn't wasn't willing to offer him a way out of his own crimes, of his own indictments, if he would just help them catch these other criminals, who then just mysteriously um, did end up 
being caught and put in jail. Mm. Uh, so you can't you can't have both of those things. You can't think that 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 our good guys are great at their job, and somehow that they were completely clueless. The people who were investigating and who mattered were completely clueless that that this very public person who was involved in all these business deals and had money laundering investigations going on into his own deals at his casinos somehow wasn't somebody that they could go to and say, "Hey, <laughs> how about a deal?" Mm-hmm. Um, so once you start working, um, does that mean once you start working with the Justice Department, does that and then event, eventually the intelligence community, does that mean that you're a good guy? No, it means you're a filthy criminal. Mm-hmm. And um, and so then the question is, which we will not know. This is what we need to look at. You know the history of this from inside of the of the communities themselves. Um, what how they recorded it. How much rope was he given? Um, did he just get set loose back into the waters to reveal more and more and more criminalities because he kept, or criminals, international criminals, it turns out, because he kept criming himself? Was he continually brought in and asked about these things? Um, I have a hard time believing that someone who makes trips to Russia and mixes it up with Robert Maxwell and um, laundering money from Semyon Mogilevich doesn't get a tap on the shoulder and say, hey, come on and talk to us about, you know, this business deal you're doing, laundering money with these rape traders. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of hard to believe. Again, you'd have to believe that our intelligence community was so inept. So the question is, did they have another way of using him, another way of sort of watching him and tracking him um, that would help lead to things? You know, I don't know. But what we can figure out at the end of the at the end of the whole pile of it is that no, he, he, this is a filthy criminal. This is a filthy criminal. Um, this is a bad guy. This is a bad guy who's easily compromised um, by the worst people on the planet who do want nothing to do us harm. And so we have to we have to deal with that. That's what we have to deal with. Yeah, and then of course the intelligence community has to deal with the the culpability factor that you spoke to Greg about, which is yes, there's secrecy, but there's also culpability. Meaning, how culpable is the intelligence community in releasing him back out into the wild to do more criming? Uh, you know, which is what you were just mentioning about how much rope did they give him, right? And I I think that that probably brings us in, and and of course now it would be an even bigger issue since he's run for president and won which sort of gets us to the second part of that question about, yeah. Yeah, okay, so culpability. Um, these are the methods. These have been the methods since, you know, pre-World War even when it came to some, you know, there was a, uh, it's a wonderful, incredible woman that everybody should read up on and study and learn about. His name was Elizabeth Friedman. And she's actually... For all intents and purposes, you can look at at what she did when it came to breaking code uh, that actually was the foundation of signal intelligence. Um, She's sort of the grandmother of the whole thing. And uh, what was she doing? She was working with um, some (laughs) attorneys general, some prosecutors in uh, catching mobsters, bootleggers, right, in the in prohibition years. Mm. Uh, And so she this is just what it is. <laughs> we, we, it's always been the method of using, finding a way to infiltrate the criminal networks 
by using relationships with criminals, leveraging them over the crimes they had to try to get them in on your, this is what it is. And then to, to keep trying to work that relationship up until you can catch a bigger and bigger fish or stop a bigger and bigger crime. It's the method. And so it, it can't be like, okay, the culpability is there for sure. Should you stop some of this shit? Yeah, there, there, I would hope that there would be a line where we start sort of figuring out when we need to stop this with a with individual informants when do the, when does their level of criminality um become something that can't be tolerated no matter what the imaginary prize on the end uh, on the other end of it might be you know when do you just have to stop them so that's a that's a whole other conversation but in terms of allowing your guy to become president i don't think that there's you know, that's that's Donald weaponizing the rules of secrecy against us. Mm. You know, that's that's him. He's the bad actor. He's the one who sh- who who we need to be holding accountable on this. Yeah. Um, and you can't. They, I, last I checked, the Department of Justice doesn't allow or disallow people to. <laughs> You know, put their name on the ballot. I don't know. I don't. I don't believe that's part of the deal that you negotiate when you're an informant no. to get out of your own indictments. I don't think it's in there saying, you know, you can no, you cannot ever run for public office. No, and maybe the reform that we can look at now that we've had this very unique experience. Yeah, but uh, but I mean, of course, we can do it in hindsight after they've taken office. Resigning can be part of not being indicted. Uh, we saw that with Spiro Agnew and multiple other actors. But now here we are. No idea whether he was ever pressed to do that, though. Of we have no idea. No, we don't. Yeah. Know. Uh, all we know is that um, he's he's a monstrosity. That's what we know. Yeah, and now with the hindsight and what, 54,000 dead um, due to this epidemic because of gross negligence. Uh, I'm going to say probably criminal homicide, negligent homicide. Um, you know, now we look back and say, okay, and now is this the tipping point where where the secrecy should be just blown or something or where's the whistleblowers or what's happening is that I mean that's I feel like that's the feeling everybody has and a lot of people have had it uh, for things that happened well before thousands and thousands of people dying you know with the attack on the rule of law through the Justice Department weaponizing Bill Barr uh, going back to obstruction of justice with the Mueller investigation some of us were down to impeach him for that Uh, and so now it's it's you know this tipping point have we turned the corner or not well i think that i think this is when you've got to go meta again you know you got to get go way out and sort of ask the question um why do we have the intelligence community and the justice department why do we have them why did we build these institutions you know we built them to protect us Um, against things like mass civilian death. And we built them to stop something. I think that I think the holy grail of, of, of counterintelligence in terms of what you're trying to, if you were to boil it all down, what is the, what is the, the most unbelievable thing that could happen that your whole, your whole mission is to protect to make sure it doesn't. This seems like it. (laughs) being, Being subverted by um, having your having our leadership, having our nation 
been being taken over by a hostile foreign intelligence agency. That seems to me um, that the second, you know, a man who has owned property of at least one, if not two or more hostile foreign intelligence services um, was installed as president. It's happened. The, the Break the glass, man. <laughs> this is the moment. The guy got in, right? So, so those two, those two things are why we have the the Justice Department and the intelligence community to begin with. Yeah, this is mobsters and spies. Yeah, there is no other wheelhouse. There's no the press isn't supposed to fix this. Mm-mm. They're supposed to you know look out you know keep track of uh, corruption and hold elected officials accountable and other kinds of things accountable and that's why they have protection in the constitution blah 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 but they're not there to root out mobsters and spies um we have the intelligence community and the justice department to do that and when a mobster spy ends up the president of the united states um and spies i know everybody freaks out about that term but uh, let's talk to people to laymen right um then then there's only one place uh, to turn to, to say, hey, uh, you're, you're not going to survive this intelligence. I don't, I don't know how we survive this because I do think all of this will come out. I really do. I think the whole history is going to come out, or at least enough of it is going to be more public and more easily digested by people than all the little millions of pieces that, that many of us have pieced together that are already out in the public uh, domain. I think uh, the whole there will be a convulsion of like, how could you have let this happen? And it doesn't matter how many conversations you and I and others have about the reasons why it did happen um, and how heroic our, our, our own people are. Um, there is no surviving that on the other side of mass death and subversion by a, by a hostile foreign power. No, agreed. And the alternative is our intelligence community is not surviving because of being dismantled by the asshole criminal in the White House. So, you know, I I, I tend to think we're past the point now where um, secrecy is more dangerous. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. And no, I know it'll all come out, but we'll see if it comes out sooner rather than later, if it goes through all the legal. We didn't get the Jaworski report until a couple of years ago from Watergate. So I'm, I'm hoping it goes faster than that. But, you know, we'll see. I'm hoping so, too, because it's a very tender moment for all of us. And I can say within my family and why this is an emotional interview for me um, is it's a it's a very specifically tender moment um, inside of the of the very relationship that um, ended up putting me on the other end of your microphone. So we, we need to, um, be there for our loved ones. Um, and, uh, and, and stop this, this intentional mass death. We need to stop it. Agreed. And thank you for joining uh, me today. And thanks for speaking to me. And thank you to your family for their service and sacrifice. I, I really do appreciate that. Can you tell us where uh, people can find you and your writing? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think this for this writing, I, I really just am on Twitter with this. It's, it's, a, it's insane. 
Um, but that's what it is. So you can go to my, my Twitter page, which is Lincoln's Bible with an S in there. Um, and, uh, and there's a pin tweet at the, at the top of the thread that is a thread of threads, uh, mostly. So each one of those is a dive into the history, the organized crime history of our president um, and his family and some of the other players um, and, and in this whole debacle. Um, with research and and stuff that people can go read and just, you know, start reading. Just start reading. All right. Well, thank you so much again, Lincoln's Bible. I really appreciate you joining me today. All right. We'll be right back with Jordan Coburn and the Good News Block. Stick around. Hey, everybody. It's AG, and this segment of Daily Beans is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Being stuck at home these days, you probably don't think much about internet privacy on your own home network, but fire up incognito mode, right, on your browser. No one can see what you're doing. Wrong. Even in incognito mode, your online activity can still be traced. Even if you you clear your browser history, your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. That's why, even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN makes sure your ISP, that's your internet service provider, cannot see what sites you visit. Instead, your internet connection is rerouted through ExpressVPN secure servers. Each ExpressVPN server has an IP address that's shared among thousands of users, and that means everything you do is anonymized and you can't be traced. Um, ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data with the best in-class encryption, so your information is always protected. Use the internet with confidence from uh, your computer, your tablet, or your smartphone. ExpressVPN has you covered on every device. Simply tap one button and you're protected. ExpressVPN is the fastest and most trusted VPN on the market. It's rated number one by CNET, Wired Magazine, The Verge, and countless more. So protect your online activity today with a VPN that I trust to secure my privacy. Visit my special link at expressvpn.com dailybeans, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash dailybeans. ExpressVPN.com slash dailybeans to learn more. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. And joining us today for the good news block, welcome back, Jordan Coburn. Hello. Good to be here. It's been 10 seconds since I spoke to you. Yes, it has. <laughs> How are you? And, you know, widely different than 30 seconds ago. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I gonna say, what's the news? Give me the updates. Um, <laughs> so we have, uh, do we have some, uh, we have some good news. Do we also have some confessions this week? We do. We do. We actually have more confessions than we do good news submissions. So that's exciting. All right. Well, let's hit it. What do we got for the good news? Just for just for switching it up. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh. So starting from good news. Uh, first one is from Cassie. Cassie says, good news. My neighborhood buy nothing group has been amazing through our whole social distancing period. They have coordinated sharing materials and skills to craft and distribute masks over 725 as, a, as of a couple of days ago. Uh, they've made sure our neighbors had all the essential items they needed and even set up a mobile food bank utilizing perishable donations from local stores that couldn't otherwise be donated to food banks, for example. This weekend oh. is weekend number four of the food bank, and last week they picked up and distributed over 1,300 pounds of food. I'm so proud to live in a neighborhood with such amazing helpers in it. That's That's really wonderful. Cool. That is. That's. I am very inspired by all the people that are out there actually doing things right now and when where they're able and when they're able it's very very cool thank you for telling us that uh next up from elizabeth elizabeth says good news my friend who got diagnosed with bladder cancer stage four just before the holidays went through chemo and radiation that wrapped just before the virus hit 
Just had a scope, and yay, the tumors are gone. Yay. You <gasps> guys, help me get through the days. Thanks for all the laughs amid the things that aren't really funny. That is a hugely good piece of news. Wonderful, wonderful news. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. Um, best of luck going forward uh, in remission, and that's that's amazing. Um, next from Anonymous. Anonymous says, good news. Donnie was so embarrassed by the disaster of the disinfectant comment, he's no longer doing COVID briefings. It's about <laughs> bloody time this happened. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That is wonderful. Yeah. Although he wasn't owning up to that, right? He's just like, uh, these aren't productive. What's the point? Uh-huh. I tell the, I tell the truth. You all just don't report the truth. There's no point. It's like, yes, that's what's happening. That's why. This has to stop. All right, that's our good news. Thank you, everybody. If you want to submit good news to us every day for Daily Beans, you can do that at Daily Beans Pod on Twitter. And we also have our next segment, Quarantine Confessions. Okay, first up from Rhonda. Rhonda says, Confession. I impulse bought a pair of medieval practice swords so my wife and I can sword fight in the backyard. LARP! Yes. <laughs> Lots of folks are being their true authentic selves now that the pretense of social acceptance isn't a thing anymore. And I guess my true self is a giant dork. I'm lucky my wife is into it, though. The swords, I mean. She won't fight me hand to hand. Oh, I'm so sorry. Not Rhonda. Rhoda. R-H-O-D-A. Um, but that's so fucking funny. That is an amazing, awesome. yes, that is an amazing image, and I hope there are people doing that exact same thing in their backyards around the country as well. <laughs> I hope, I hope, I hope you have sword fight music playing when you. When oh you do my it. god! Yes, yes. I think of a, uh, a Knight's Tale. That was like I was obsessed with that movie. Growing up with Heath Ledger, you know, there's like an amazing montage where he's learning how to fight and shit, and there's. There's all of this great music, like uh, I think what is, what is that song that's like bam 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 bam. Oh God! I was thinking, uh, I was thinking more along the lines of like Princess Bride, but oh, sure, we can we can go with Low Rider or whatever that song is. Yes, yes, it's just it's just a great montage song, and then there's a bunch of sword fighting, and it's epic, and uh, yeah, that's amazing. Um, next up from Steph, quarantine confession. My boyfriend and I have taken to celebrating getting through another week of quarantine on Saturdays by having a big breakfast and many mimosas. Not sure how many because we never really finish one before we start refilling. It makes the weekends feel a little special. Thanks for keeping me sane during this time. Love you guys. Love you too. Hmm. That's really, that's really fun. It's so nice to have shit to look forward to. We've been talking about that lately. Yeah, that's really cool. And mimosas are delicious totally get what you're saying about the mary poppins pour you just never let it end you know and then um yeah, yeah. Next, thing, <laughs> next thing you know you're like drunk as fuck um all right next up from philip philip says confession i'm a nurse and a child and adolescent mental health crisis team and whenever i get referred to as an essential worker i find myself channeling this podcast and thinking i'm fucking essential so far <laughs> i've managed to avoid saying it out loud in team meetings though <laughs> 
<laughs> I just imagine your boss like you guys are all essential and just be like we're fucking essential <laughs> and then everyone's like yeah we're fucking essential that'd be great maybe you can turn it into like a team chant or something yeah. you don't have to explain the origins of it for political reasons you know but uh but yeah that's that's great <laughs> I'm fucking essential here that's so good <laughs> In case um, no one knows what uh, we're talking about, way back in the day when Muller She Wrote was a baby pod, um, we were covering Cohen's slush fund where he would take payments from like Novartis and AT&T and some South Korean aerospace company, basically people just trying to buy access to Trump. And the LLC was called Essential Consultants. And we somebody put together a, a logo for us because we came up with the tagline, we're fucking essential, uh, just because it <laughs> seems so mobby. And so that's that's where that comes from. Yes, that's so funny. Um, I love that. And you are essential. And thank you for doing what you do. Uh, next from Alyssa. So I've been trimming my bangs and hair and so far it's been okay. Because of that, I got it into my head that I wanted to cut my husband's hair. He really needed a cut. He wanted nothing to do with it. I watched hours of YouTube videos and was sure that I could do this. I even ordered clippers for the details and trim. However, I just couldn't convince him. Last week when they extended the shutdown here, the Netherlands, oh sick, thank you for listening, uh, until the end of May, my husband knew he couldn't put off put it off any longer. Besides, he was having Zoom meetings and really starting to look shabby. I set up a whole professional, in quotes, station with my scissors, mirror, clippers, comb, spray bottle, and welcomed my first client. I knew from the start this wasn't going to be as easy as I thought. Shaking, I started to cut, but didn't let him know. I was suddenly scared to shitless. After weeks of pushing, I suddenly realized I didn't know what I was doing. Even when the clippers <laughs> made that bald spot, I kept on going. In the end... <laughs> In the end, the clip wasn't too ter- or the cut wasn't too terrible, and as long as he did doesn't turn his head to the side at all, his <laughs> colleagues will never see the big bald spot on Zoom calls. <laughs> does he does he know it's there? Like, did you tell him that? He- <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Anybody that has a bald spot on their head just means they have a partner that really loves them. That's what that signifies now. <laughs> yeah, that happened to Anderson Cooper as well, and he showed everybody on television. It's like, look what I did to myself. <laughs> Yeah. Oh gosh. It's hard. It's I know my my uh I saw you know Matt Bird. I've seen yeah. um his hair right now. Currently he looks like Fabio. <laughs> which which Matt Bird as Fabio is a very interesting image, but he uh, he truly his hair is so like it it looks so golden and flowy and it's like kind of almost past his shoulders. It's incredible. I say wow. Huh. He's going for the <laughs> he's going for the James Schrader look, huh? Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but that's really nice of you to try to cut your cut your person's hair. Um mm. best of luck next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got two more of these from Kat. Like many people, I am waist deep in Animal Crossing world. The dogs and I spend a lot of time on the sofa and they snooze while I play. Confession, they recognize the save and quit chime, and I'll wake up and jump to their feet in anticipation when they hear it. This means I might play it too much. I do not care. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, she's saving and quitting. It's time to go out. Let's go for a walk. Let's go for a walk. That's funny. Freaking smart That's dogs. Cute. Yeah, that is nice. You go from your world of virtual animals to real animals. How nice. Mm. Surrounded by mm-hmm. animals. <laughs> um, okay, finally from Cynthia. 
Between the extra vigilance about hand washing and also the increasingly lax showering habits, there has never been such a wide disparity in how often the various parts of my body are exposed to soap. Yes. That was mm. beautifully put. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Mm. It's all about the tea spot. Everything else, they can just wait in line. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. And that's Quarantine Confessions, everyone. Just for uh, same as the case as our good news, you can tweet Quarantine Confessions into us at Daily Beans Pod on Twitter. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for sending those in. And thanks to everybody who came to our uh, Weedus concert <laughs> host- hosted by the Daily Beans uh, over the weekend. It was so much fun. Again, really appreciate it. We're already working on Did I come up? I think I came up with a theme for next week, but I forget what I said. I forget as well, actually. I'll have to rewatch it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to come up with a theme. I keep getting a little bit drunk by the end of this. If anybody <laughs> if anybody remembers what the theme was supposed to be this week, tweet it at us or if you if you if I didn't uh which is feasible also then, you know, just tweet uh, at Daily Beans Pod, let us know what you think the theme should be. I am down for your ideas. That's it. That's all I've got. Danny, you have any final thoughts? Uh not for me other than uh keep keep being strong and hanging in there sending love to everybody yeah 100 percent. um i would not be making it through this without you all so i appreciate that and you too jordan you're fucking essential and uh, <laughs> you, are. <laughs> you are i'm fucking essential here and uh, i do appreciate everything so everyone uh, please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of your mental health and take care of the planet i've been ag i've been jordan coburn and them's the beans The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.